Want to make a podcast? Spotify has got a platform that lets you make one super easily and distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else your podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I've discovered Spotify for podcasters, I just enjoy putting these podcasts out for everyone to really like. I highly recommend you give it a try. It's so easy to use. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started today. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Welcome to the show. I'm really excited about this one. Going to be breaking down day 10 of 49ers training camp. There's only two days that are left that are open to the public. Of course, they're going to have walkthroughs next Thursday as well before they gear up and get ready for the Green Bay Packers who will be coming to Levi Stadium next Friday. So we're less than a week away from the 49ers playing their first preseason game. And there was a lot of things to unpack from this uh, playoff game. It was really exciting. Or, I mean, from the this training camp. Oh, I went straight to playoffs. Yeah, I got, got, got to make sure I get in, under control here. I jumped around a little bit, but no, uh, it was it was a great practice. Uh, really enjoyed it. There was a lot of things that happened there. And of course, you know, there's a lot of people that are worried about Trey Lance. And before I get into that, I'm going to kind of go over some of the comments because uh, 49ers Fogies is asking me the same thing. But what's up, 49ers Faithful Forever? What's up, P. Murr? What's up, Gary? I hope you guys are all having a good time in chat. And if you are listening to this and you haven't already subscribed to the channel, if you would do me a favor and subscribe to the channel, that would be awesome. We are on a push for three thousand subscribers and right now we are 49 subscribers away so we're on the home stretch we're hoping to make that so if you can give it a like uh and go ahead and subscribe if you haven't already that's great if you have thank you so much for you know being a subscriber and being a part of the cutback crew now what gary is talking about here is what a conversation that was going on a lot on social media as far as how well trey lance played and gary says i hear lance had a bad day what did you see? And I kind of got into this a little bit recently over on Twitter, but Trey Lance's first three passes of the day were absolutely fantastic. Uh, one of them was to Debo Samuel, where Debo was doing a deep crossing route. The One of these routes that you've seen on a play action pass come from Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, it seems like a thousand times, right? He would turn his back, give the fake to the running back, whip his head around and throw it, you know, to the middle of the field where Debo Samuel is screeching across, catches the ball, and runs for a lot of yards. And that's what we've seen from Trey Lance. It was great timing. He threw with anticipation. He hit Debo in stride. Everything looked good. And, and that's how Trey Lance looked for his first three reps. Now, after that, Trey Lance did have some struggles. Uh, but there's some context that needs to go with some of those struggles. Uh, one of them, in fact, I also put on Twitter was the fact that there's a, a lot of people are talking about Charverius Ward almost having interception where Trey Lance threw the ball right at him. Trey Lance did throw the ball right at him, but here's why. Brandon Ayuk was running a choice route. Brandon Ayuk broke to the outside. Trey Lance believed because of leverage reasons 
Brandon Ayuk was going to go to the inside. So there's a miscommunication there. I seen them lock, uh, look at each other, have a little bit of a, you know, a conversation from far away and Trey Lance pointing, hey, you're supposed to go inside. That's something they need to work on. That's something that they can continue to get better at. So yeah, that happened. So did he struggle at times? Yes. Another circumstance, the defense came with the blitz. Uh, they blitz someone up the middle to the right side. It looked like Talano Hufanga had a clean shot on Trey Lance. Trey Lance saw the, the guy coming and he switched up his feet. He did not stay steady in the pocket. He switched his feet. He opened up his stance. The the uh, Talano Hufanga was picked up and Trey Lance would have had an opportunity to go ahead and throw the football down the field. But because his feet weren't set the way they were supposed to, because he saw the rush, he threw the ball high and over Debo Samuel's head. So there are things definitely that Trey Lance needs to continue to work on. Yesterday, he had a fantastic day. Today, he came back to earth a little bit. But as a coach, you've got to love these opportunities to get better. You know, certain situations like I just talked about, you know, getting a wide receiver and quarterback on the same page, making sure that Trey Lance read it right. I, I, I can't even tell you for sure Trey Lance read it right. I can only tell you what I observed after the play because I did not see the leverage that was being played by Traverius Ward. So it could have been that Ayuk read it right and broke outside, and that's exactly where the ball should have been. But now you can go back and look at this on film. You can go back and look at the play, the blitz play on film, and you can say, Trey, look, You've got to have trust in your players around you to do the right things, and then you've got to get the ball out. So in one situation, the ball that almost gets picked by Charverius Ward, it could have been Trey Lance showing you know, tremendous uh, uh, belief in that Brian Ayuk was going to be exactly where he was supposed to be when he threw the ball, and he wasn't. And in the other case, not enough belief that the blitz pickup was going to get picked up. Uh, so I think th those are some situations that Trey needs to work on the interception to Fred Warner. Uh, it would have probably been a sack. Uh, there was tremendous pressure in the pocket. He rolled to the left, and you could tell he he lets go of the ball because he's about to get hit from behind. Of course, you know they can't hit him in practice, uh, but he throws the ball right to Fred Warner and ends up being intercepted. No one was open, and he was under tremendous pressure. So, yeah, there's a lot that was going into it. I think Trey Lance had moments, uh, especially the first three throws that he looked pretty good. And other than that, you know, there were, there were things he needed to work on. And I think that's good. Having days like yesterday when he really played well, you can learn a lot from those situations and having plays where you don't learn well uh, and you're not operating at a high level. You can learn from those as well. Those are good coaching points. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. You know, and I think that you expect these kind of ups and downs from a young quarterback, uh, you know, and, and you got to remember, let, let's take this into consideration Yesterday, Trey Lance had every single offensive lineman for a starting five, and the defense didn't have Nick Bosa. Today, Nick Bosa was back, and Trey Lance had no uh, Trent Williams, no Mike McGlinchey on the starting line. That makes for a little bit more pressure, uh, and now you, that's that's what you get. You get problems like this. Uh, but there were some great plays that happened out there as well. Um, not all of them come from Trey, of course. Nate Sudfeld was making some pretty good throws. Raider McLeod made a one-handed catch down the sideline. Um, Danny Gray had a ball that was thrown to the back shoulder, adjusted to the ball, and made a catch. That was really nice. So there were plays going around for a bunch of different players, so I really enjoyed it. Uh, it was it was pretty good in, in that aspect. Um, let's see. David says... Oh, Rob has become a new member. Thank you, Rob, uh, for upping your membership. I really appreciate that. That's that's big time. I really appreciate you be, being a member. Um, let's see. David says, the middle of the O-line still concerns me, as does defensive tackles on the other side of the ball. Any flashes shown so far to tame those concerns? Yeah, David, I really think that, you know, some of the interior offensive line um, is more so overblown now because I believe that they have looked pretty good overall. Early in training camp, David, that was still a concern because they were struggling to, to handle the interior defensive pass rush uh, and even just their push overall on run plays. 
uh, without pads. Um, but now you've seen Spencer Burford really get comfortable with playing right guard. Aaron Banks, I watched run, one rep. I'll give you an example. One rep today, he's one-on-one -on -one with Javon Kinlaw and absolutely stymies him at the point of attack. Um, th that is two massive men going at it. 200, you know, 325, 330-pound guys getting after it. And Banks was able to stop Kinlaw and not allow a push. And in fact, probably drove him back a yard. I think that that was something that was very uh, nice to see because we had so many questions about Banks after what happened last year. He really didn't play up, live up to expectations. Even he believes that. But I think that the offense, interior offensive line has looked better for the main reason that Banks is playing at the level that some people started to tease he was at coming out of OTAs and minicamp. And Spencer Burford has absolutely surprised everyone and stepped right in and not missed a beat. Now, at the center position, we're seeing good reps from both centers. Early A couple days ago, we had problems with Daniel Brunskill with the snap being slow when when Trey Lance was under center, but he seems to have remedied that. I watched his snaps today. They were nice and crisp and fast, uh, so he's definitely been working on that part of the game. Both him and Brendel have been able to handle most of the blocking scheme so far, You know, being able to give help and then allow guards to press the second level to get to the, get to the linebackers. So, so far, uh, it's it's been a steady improvement for this offensive line. Are they all the way there? No, um, but we, we gotta be hopeful that over these three preseason games, and their joint practice with Minnesota, they're going to get a lot better. And really, the chemistry and camaraderie between these guys, you can tell, is getting better and better and better. Um, and I think even Cole McKivitz, you know, could throw his name in the hat. We have six guys at the top, and that's not even including Daniel Brunskill. Uh, David Campbell hitting with the super chat. So I'm going to have to let's see what this super chat is. David Campbell says, nailing the super chat like Drake Jackson nails a backflip with ease and that's well said david and by the way what's up david hope you're having a good day uh it's nice to see you in chat on a live it's hard to i know for all of us to get our schedules together but david campbell is right uh drake jackson's ability to i mean the the backflips were absolutely fantastic that dude is tremendous athlete uh, not only is he absolutely monstrous and muscular like nick bosa but then he has the athletic ability to do you know, flips and, and all that, and then cartwheels along the sideline. Tremendous athlete with tremendous upside. Of course, he's going to have to continue to, you know, develop other areas, develop his hands, develop his pass rush moves. But we've got to be extremely optimistic about a young player with that much talent. Uh, so I, I think that, uh, you know, that's a good call. Uh, Drake is one of those ones. And, and thanks so much, Dave, for hitting me with the super chat. I really appreciate it. Golden Dragon says, I think Trey Lance excels at no huddle calling his own play and audibles. But right now, he's just running plays called by head coach Kyle Shannon, which likely won't continue during the regular season. Um, He's going to run plays that are called by Kyle Shanahan. Shanahan is not going to allow Trey Lance to you know, run a two-minute offense or call plays on his own. I don't even think that Trey Lance has a full understanding of the offense enough to go ahead and run this complicated offense from his own mind. Uh, I, I I think he's a very smart guy. He can operate the offense from under center. We've seen him check, you know, and can plays. But I don't believe that we're going to see anything other than Kyle Shanahan calling plays and Trey Lance getting two plays in the huddle and then having to go out there and choose which one is right for what defense he's looking at. I think that's going to be the extent of what Trey Lance has as far as what play they're going to run. So I think, you know, you're just going to see Kyle continue to run the plays that he wants to run and, um, they're going to work because once you get this run game going, then the play action pass is going to come off of it. And Trey's going to be able to get the ball down the field. And when things break down and it's not open, Trey Lance is going to be able to create extend plays and hopefully get the ball downfield. And when it's just him extending plays, it can be like what he did today. He extended a play, got outside the pocket, got the ball to tight into Tyler Croft and let him pick up four or five yards as the outlet. Those are things that you can do, and those are things that are different from Trey Lance compared to Jimmy Garoppolo. Garoppolo was able to get the ball tremendously quicker, but when it comes down to it, he couldn't extend plays to the level that Trey Lance can, and that's a dynamic that defense is going to have to account for because you're also going to have to maybe keep a defender around or spying him at times to make sure he doesn't take off because he can defeat you with his legs. He says, how did the running backs look today? Who thrived? Uh, the one that stood out for me today was uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. 
Jeff Wilson Jr. had looked good yesterday, but today he took it to a whole other level. He had a run today that was fantastic where you had all the elements you want out of a big-time running back. He ran to the right. He located a hole. He cut, broke just left, went inside. When he got to the second level, there was a safety waiting for him. So right there where the linebackers would be, here's a safety. He makes a move on this safety where the safety is still looking uh, to, to pick up his jock strap because he got absolutely juked out of his pants and then goes up to the next level. Diamond Lenore comes in from the uh, the left side, and Jeff Wilson Jr. hits him with a stiff arm, knocks him away, and picks up an additional five yards as another safety comes to help. It was a fantastic run from Jeff Wilson Jr., and it's kind of what we were seeing early on in camp before he had this, the injury setback. Now he's getting back after it, and he's taking carries after Elijah Mitchell. So Jeff Wilson Jr. has looked pretty good. Uh, so I was excited about him today, and that's important because yesterday every one of the running backs had good reps. This running back room has had a steady uh, steady case of improvement. Also, a lot of that has to go with the fact that the offensive line continues to get better and continues to gel because now these running backs have holes to find. Once they have holes to find, most of them have the, the vision uh, and overall patience to locate those holes and then accelerate through them. The good thing is, is Jeff Wilson Jr., Elijah Mitchell are two guys that are making people miss at the second level, linebackers, safeties, uh, and things like that. So that is, that is something that's been good from this running back position. Warriors Faithful Forever says, heard Jimmy Ward was throwing out some big hits today. Um, Jimmy Ward had a nice one on Brandon Ayuk. Ayuk was coming across the field on a deep crosser the same way Debo Samuel had done earlier in practice. And this time, I mean, uh, it wasn't a late throw from Trey Lance, but it was one of those ones where Jimmy Ward read the play. He saw it. He drove on the football and timed it perfectly. He got there exactly when the football got there. Not only did he hit Brandon Uke, but he knocked the ball away with his left hand. It was well played by Jimmy Ward. Yeah, the defense at times can go out there and hit, but they're all keeping it clean for the most part. It's just out there playing hard football. That's one of the nice things about having pads because I believe they pulled up on a lot of these plays early on in camp. And it appeared that receivers were making, you know, were, were getting easier catches uh, than now. Now everything is more contested as they get more and more physical. So I, I think that Jimmy Ward is playing well, and that was one of those nice plays. We almost had a couple of those with other players without pads early on in training camp. I'm glad we didn't. Uh, 49ers Faithful Forever says, what's the possibility TDP has a redshirt year? I don't think so. I think TDP is going to be a part of this rotation as a third, you know, as a draft pick, a third round draft pick, there's no way you're going to be able to sneak that guy into the practice squad, which means you can't redshirt him. And if you can't redshirt him, he's probably going to be a part of the rotation, minus him being a guy that just doesn't dress for games, which is a possibility. But from what I saw from TDP yesterday, he thrived and excelled in short yarded situations. So that was converting on third down, fourth down in the goal line. Uh, that's where TDP has been successful so far. I've seen the vision slowly increase as he runs with more patience. I feel like he was trying to get to the hole so fast because he felt like the speed of the game was so much faster than college. So you've seen him kind of hitting that NOS button right away. You know, if you play Madden, you hit the turbo button right away and you just run the whole entire time. That's what he was doing. Now it appears he's just going at a normal pace. And then once he sees the hole accelerating through the hole and then making a play, it's not always about going full speed right away. And I think TDP's learning how to run behind this offensive line, but also run in the NFL. And that's something you have to figure out along the way. Everyone's got a little bit of a different way of handling it. Some people like Raheem Moser can go full speed all the time because they're just faster than everyone else. And others have to kind of take their time, be patient, Wait for the hole to locate. And that's the thing with a zone scheme. It's going to open somewhere. Uh, it could be all the way outside. It could be inside. Um, you know, with a cutback, there's a lot of situations right now. You just have to let it play out. Let this line, you know, help clear the wash. Uh, so we'll see how much better TDP gets, keeps getting, but I don't think it'll be a red shirt. David says, Banks progression is going to be huge this season. I feel like safe for us to tag Kinlaw as a bust and a failed decision to trade him for Buckner, basically. No, I don't believe so, because this is the most healthy we've seen Javon Kinlaw. The problem with Kinlaw right now is he just needs reps. I mean, that's why D'Amico Ryan said he walks by Kinlaw every day and says reps, 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 because Kinlaw's having to kind of relearn some of the things that he was learning over his first two seasons. He's having to bring his pad level low. He's having to work on his strike. Like, He's just working on things he couldn't do last year because he didn't have the bend and flexibility in his body 
that he does right now. He's more healthy now than he's ever been. They're managing his reps, but he's got to continue to get these reps going and knock that rust off. And I think as this season progresses, Kinlaw can be a giant force for this team. Not only can he stop the run, but he has the potential to get quarterback sacks on first and second down when he's in the game for that base defense. I think those are things that we need from him. So I'm not ready to label him a bust if we get through this season, David, and he doesn't have the impact year that everyone believes he can, or he doesn't bounce back and at least stay healthy for all or most of the year. I think that then you can start to put that label on him, but I think it's a little early. Give the young guy a chance. Uh, it's the same thing that happened with Armstead. His first two years marred by injury, and now look at, it, look at him now. Everyone is very excited about what Eric Armstead can do for this interior defensive line. Uh, let's see. Uh, David Campbell says, how's Hufanga looking? Hufanga was back out there with the first team today. He seemed more uh, normal Hufanga. His spirits were up. And so Hufanga's looking good. And I've had no problems with Tawano Hufanga uh, you know, from his reps. He's looked good. I haven't seen bad things from him. I was a little surprised that they gave Tarvarius more the role yesterday. But I think they're just trying to work those two guys in, make it a fair competition but realizing that they're probably going to end up playing all three guys and give Tarverius Moore and Talano Hufanga some of each other's reps, which I think is a good situation for the 49ers. Put Hufanga in situations where he can be successful for your team using his skill sets that are best for your defense. And then when it's time to use Tarverius Moore skill sets, have him in there. Why not? Why not use both guys? If you have weapons and you have really good football players, Use them to help your team. And don't leave a guy on the bench because you have one guy as a starter. Uh, when it comes down to it, Tarverius Moore's got more speed than Ufong. He's going to be able to run sideline to sideline. He's going to be able to cover that deep third or deep half a little bit better than Hufanga. But Hufanga could come up in the box, lay some wood, blow up some screen passes, blitz the quarterback. Those are areas where he's going to be more successful. So when you need that, have him on the field. And then every once in a while, to throw him off, have them do the inverse, do each other's role. They can, dever, they can uh, definitely do that. Um, so, yeah, I think that these guys are going to have opportunities, and I think the safety room is looking pretty good right now. Odom, of course, is the fourth safety in the room, and he's going to be around because he's going to be doing special teams. Uh, he has moments where he flashes, but he's definitely the fourth guy. Well, I think Taylor Hawkins as five and Leon O'Neal Jr. as six. That's just how I see the safety room uh, kind of right now as far as depth chart goes. David says, how is Sermon looking? Uh, as a OSU fan, I really hope things finally uh, click for him and this year and he becomes a big piece. Yeah, I mean, Trey Sermon, to me, this he's looked tremendously better than last year. Now, because of his speed and the fact that he doesn't really have a lot of burst uh, or juice, um, a lot of people aren't going to really care for his running style. But right now, what I've seen from him is a big physical runner who's using vision and finding the right holes. And when it's asked of him to cut up and get vertical, which he wasn't able to do last year, he's doing now. So he's able to put his foot in the ground and get upfield. Is he, you know, coming away with these big runs, you know, 25, 30 yards? No, he's not. But is he getting a steady six, you know, five, eight? Yeah, he is. And I, I think that's one thing I like about Sermon. He's definitely better than he was last year. And I think he's just going to continue to get better the more comfortable he gets in this scheme. Uh, what's up, San Francisco? John is in chat. Finally caught up with the Cutback Crew live. What's up, Coach Ant? What's up, John? I hope you're having a good day. I'm glad you made it into chat. This is good. this is a good one. We got a lot of heavy hitters in chat today, so I like that. Um, Four Yard Fogey says, "I want to hear about the O line." Okay, I got you. So right now, with the way the offensive line is playing out, they have been rotating day by day. Daniel Brunskill and Jake Brendel. One day, Brendel starts as, with the first-team offensive line, and then Brunskill still takes snaps with the second team, but also the first-team offensive line in the second half of the 11-on-11s. They've just continued this basically since the beginning of the week for both players. So there's no decisions that have been made at center. We've had struggles from Daniel Brunskill a little bit with the snap. Those seem to be, a, seem to be remedied as he's gotten more and more reps. So those guys are more on an equal footing than they have been. As far as the guards go, it has been Spencer Burford and Aaron Banks every single first-team rep. Uh, those are the two guys that are going to be there. Those are the two guys that are battling it out right now. I mean, you could always envision a situation where Daniel Brunskill 
doesn't get the center job and then moves over to right guard and maybe beats out Spencer Burford. So Burford's not a lock for guard, but he's definitely making it darn hard and darn difficult for Chris Forrester to pull him out and go with Brunskill, even though Brunskill's an incumbent. So the offensive line continues to gel in the interior, and we already know what kind of bookend tackles we have right now with Trent Williams and Mike McGlinchey. They have been playing well, especially in the run game. Both of them excel in getting to the second level, and you can tell when the when they're in and we're running outside zone and those toss plays to the outside that the blocking is so much better on the outside. They don't allow these edge rushers you know, to hold up against that and set the edge against that offensive set. So... Those things were definitely missed today as both players were out and you had Colton McKivitz and Justin Skule. It wasn't as consistent on those outside runs. And that's what you miss from having your two big offensive tackles in there. Um, and when they're in there, the offense is pretty formidable. It was yesterday that offensive line was providing a lot of opportunities for Trey Lance to sit in the pocket probably for longer than I ever anticipated. There were times it was three, four, five seconds which is plenty of time for him to be able to locate a receiver and for his receivers to be able to get open. Four Yards Faithful Forever says, Williams, Banks, Brunskill, Burford, Big Mike. Starting O-line week one, uh, it could be. You know, I mean, that's the thing, right? Uh, Brunskill over Brendel. Uh, that, that's basically, I think everyone would kind of feel comfortable with the other four you named. Is it going to be Brunskill or Brendel? I think that is to be determined. And I don't think we're going to find out until we get through these preseason games. But I wouldn't say you're off because that's a pretty good starting five. Uh, and if Brunskill's not at center, then he could be at right guard, depending on what they're wanting to do. What is up, Ben? I hope you're having a good day. Welcome to chat. Uh, Golden Dragon says, what are your thoughts of Mike McGlinchey extension? I think it's going to come down to how Mike McGlinchey performs this year. Uh, you're going to let him, you know, play play out the contract, kind of what you did to Lakin Tomlinson. And more than likely, Mike McGlinchey is going to be allowed to go out there and see what he can get on the open market. I'm sure the 49ers will throw a number out at him before he ever hits the open market. But I foresee Mike McGlinchey going out there and seeing what opportunities are out there and what financially you know he can get. Because when it comes down to it, these players are trying to maximize their potential and their earnings. So he's going to do that. So I think we're running into a Lakin Tomlinson situation. Maybe the 49ers have already drafted the heir apparent, whether that's Jalen Moore, Spencer Burford, uh, Colton McKivitz playing at the right tackle spot. Right now, I don't think Colton McKivitz can play to the level of Mike McGlinchey. McGlinchey's better than him, but we're going to run into a situation where the 49ers are going to have to choose, you know, which guys they want to let go. They can't sign McGlinchey, Aziz Alshire, Dre Greenlaw, you know, I mean, Emmanuel Mosley. Like, you're going to have to make some tough decisions. So if Big Mike ends up being one of those guys that becomes too expensive, that might be a decision that you have to move on from Big Mike, which would stink uh, because I love him as a run blocker. And if he plays in the past game as good as he did in the first eight games of last year, he'd be worth an extension just depending on what that money looks like. And we really won't know yet. Uh, what's up, David Villa? How's it going? Uh, David Villa says, what's up, Ant, my man, and all the faithfuls? Uh, everyone let David Villa know what's up in chat. But when it came down to it, camp today was missing a lot of players Emmanuel Mosley wasn't there, Mike McGlinchey, Trent Williams, uh, George Kittle. They had definitely had guys that weren't you know, out there and operating within the offense or the defense because they're you know at the end of this block. They've, you know, this was another three practice set. So they've been trying to rest guys, make sure they keep guys fresh and healthy. Yesterday, Bosa wasn't dressed. Today, it's those guys. So they're doing a really good job of trying to keep these guys uh, healthy. And um, 49ers Faithful Forever says, Mosley walking at the end of this year. He definitely could, depending on what he gets offered. The 49ers are paying him $6.5 million. He could get more than that on the open market. I'm sure they'd probably have to let him go. But at $6.5 million, they might be willing to do it because one of the news stories that came out of today's practice was it's official. Diamond Lenore has passed Ombre Thomas on the depth chart because Mosley was out. The next guy in was Diamond Lenore on the outside. So Traverius Moore and Diamond Lenore were playing on the outside. Of course, Darquest and Nard started in the slot. Now, one of the things that I saw, and if you follow me on or follow the 49ers cutback on Twitter, you saw this. Darquez Denard hurt. I believe the middle or uh, the middle finger or point finger on his left hand. He they were working on shedding blocks. He made contact with 
the uh, the offensive player, and he went to shed. And when he did, he came away. He had to see the trainer. They worked on it for a while. He ended up going in and getting reps. So I don't know the severity of the injury. They taped the fingers together, so maybe he's okay. Just something to monitor because there's a lot of decisions that need to be made in the cornerback room. And nickel corner has been one of the hot topics through the entire offseason. And it appears that Dark West and Nard has been the one that's really comfortable in that area. I know I've been the most comfortable with him. A lot of people said today was Samuel Womack's best day as a cornerback in his NFL pro. He did look good. So if you believe that that's the case, you know, maybe he's going to come up there now and push uh, Dark West and Nard. But Dark West and Nard seems to be a very comfortable veteran. Um, Ben Visa's health is the number one priority. It is. Keep these guys healthy, rotating them through. There's no need for them to practice every single day, especially these veterans. They understand what they have to do. They know what they have to do to take care of their body. Keep them healthy. Make sure they don't get nicks. Uh, so that way you can have them out there when you need them. And then uh, Fortnite Faithful Forever says Mosley's cornerback two, no doubt. I'm I'm with you. I think the only situation in which Mosley wouldn't be cornerback two was if Jason Verrett came back. And Kyle Shanahan's comments, you know, he could be back week one. He could be back week four. He could be back the end of the year. I think Kyle Shanahan's leaving it completely open on what could happen with Jason Verrett. So until that is even a plausible situation, it's going to be Emmanuel Mosley as cornerback two. And when Jason Verrett comes back, I look for them to try to ease him in, work him in, because I think they're going to go with the more matchup thing where, oh, we believe Jason Verrett matches up better with this guy this week. We're going to go with that. Or, you know, Emmanuel Mosley matches up better with this guy in the slot this week. We're going to go with that. And I think that's how they're going to handle these cornerback situations once they get Jason Verrett back and they're at full strength. And right now, they're not at full strength. Right now, they still have guys that are injured. So, uh, because Jason Verrett's not out there. And, and unfortunately, Ombre Thomas isn't playing to the level that everyone expected him to play. Uh, Golden Dragon said, I saw Sammy Womack and Tariq Fields pro day. Sammy Womack is going to start for sure. I don't think so. Um, I, I like I like Samuel Womack a lot. I, I think he could start in the future. Uh, he might even start this year. I just don't think he's going to start right away because I think Darquez Denard has a stranglehold on this position and minus him getting hurt. Darquez Denard looks comfortable. He's in there breaking passes away from George Kittle. I mean, he just looks confident. And the most of the time, he's right on top of these receivers. There's not a lot of wiggle room. There's not a lot of separation. And that's what you want from your nickel corner. It's not easy to play nickel corner because the receiver can go either way. You don't have a sideline to help you. Uh, sometimes you'll get safety help, but you know there's a lot of times you're out there on your own. And we know that these Green Bay wide receivers, they'd play in the slot and they'd send them on these deep fades to the corner. And those were difficult for K1 Williams and all kinds of 49ers corners. So you know we have to have a guy that's able to do that. And right now, Darquez Denard is that guy. He can handle that situation. Down the road, it probably is going to be Samuel Womack. He's an impressive player. I just don't know if that's going to be right now. I think some of these young guys still need to develop, and that's okay. We can give them time because we have veterans ahead of them that can go ahead and get it done. James Hall says, unfortunately, if Mosley and Ayuk play great this year, they will price themselves out of out of our range. The good news for, for us as far as Ayuk goes is he's on his rookie deal, but he's a first-round pick. So this is year three. He'll play out year three. If he plays, you know, and, and goes crazy, that's great. You've got year four to play. And right before year four, they can exercise the option for year five, the same way they did with Nick Bosa. So they could keep Brandon Ayuk for two more seasons, for sure, after this one, because he has a fifth-year option from being a first-round pick. So Ayuk, decision on Ayuk doesn't have to come right away. You could wait longer. The 49ers did put an out in the Debo Samuel contract. It coincides with when Brandon Ayuk would be a free agent. So they can make a decision then on if they want to go with Ayuk or Debo Samuel. And if the money's just out of, you know, going crazy, you could potentially go after both of them. Now, Mosley could price himself out. If he has a great season, there's a lot of teams that'll be willing to pay Emmanuel Mosley a lot of money to play for them. Just, you know, I mean, you can't worry about that now. But I think they've definitely looked into taking care of that because they've drafted a lot of young players and they got guys that have come in and compete and hopefully they can do the same thing that Mosley did and develop into a starter uh, from undrafted free agent to starter Emmanuel Mosley shows the 49ers can definitely develop talent. Now he's a good talent and I hope he balls out and I hope he gets paid. You know, I would love it to be the 49ers, but if it's not um, good for him because he's going to deserve it because he's been working his butt off for years and uh, he's a pretty good football player. 
Mike Kenny says TDP goes forward when he hit when he's hit. Going to be a lot of fourth and, and five yard gains. He does. And that's one of the things that's nice about TDP is forward momentum. That's one thing I like about Jeff Wilson Jr. There's not a lot of times where he goes backwards. Same with Elijah Mitchell. Uh, but TDP is going to be the short yardage guy. There were situations yesterday and moved the ball where it got to third and one, fourth and one. Uh, and when they gave TDP the ball, he converted on those situations. He looked good. And it wasn't like converting by barely getting a first down. It was like he, he got three or four yards. So he was getting beyond, you know, where he needed to get to. So um, pretty excited about TDP. I think this running back room is well put together. The way that John Lynch and Kyle Shannon have got guys that have certain skill sets that they can use, uh, is it's going to be nice. And I think they have a, a nice mixture of speed and power because they have Elijah Mitchell and Jermichael Hasty right now. They have the speed, but they have the power with the other backs. So they've put together a nice room, and I think Anthony Lynn is going to continue to develop these guys, and it's going to be good. But I've seen good vision from them, and that's what makes me optimistic is good reps. I don't care about the results. I don't care if you got three, four, or five yards or ran for 90. If you made the right read and made the right play, that's what you're looking for. Whether it ended up being a touchdown or a five-yard gain, making the right read and using the right vision and finding the hole is the most important thing. And that's what's going to get you more carries. And that you're seeing that from some of these guys as they're rewarded for making these great plays. Michael Humphrey says, everyone keep asking about the O-line in the form of protecting Lance and who will start. I want to know how are they looking in the run game? The run game is more important than the pass right now. Um, right now, I think the strength, Michael, for this run game has been the outside zone and the toss game, especially when you have Trent Williams and Mike McGlinchey playing tackles. Uh, in those situations, those guys have been getting to those edge guys. You've had, you know, Kyle Juszczyk, George Kittle, those guys helping as well on the edge. And there's been lots of opportunities outside of the tackle box to be able to get runs. The problem is right now, there's not always the push on the interior. You've got a lot of work being done between the centers and guards to be able to get that initial push, you know, with that double team. And then that guard to be able to press off onto second level once the center has control of the defensive player. They've been working on it extensively. Now, some of the great runs yesterday came from that situation, an inside run or just off tackle. Those were good situations. So the run game is getting better on the interior, but I would say right now it's the most potent on the outside. They need to continue to work that, and I think they are trying to work that with these guys. So... Uh, I think it's going to get better and better, but we'll see what happens with you know the next couple of days as this offensive line continues to gel. And then what happens when they play Green Bay and ultimately the two practices, uh, joint practices with Minnesota. Scott Hill says, hey, Ant, I heard they that Trey Lance struggled today. Yeah, I mean, Trey Lance did have some struggles, and I went through a little bit of it. I think that he looked good early. He had a, a really three really good throws, Scott. And then what happened was there were some situations where he either lost form uh, lost technique or would have got sacked or a miscommunication. So the one he threw one over the top of Debo Samuel's head. There was a blitz coming from Talano Hufanga. It looked like he was going to have a clear shot. And then out of nowhere, the running back picked him up. But Trey Lance uh, definitely changed his feet, opened his feet up, and then tried to throw the ball. You could tell there wasn't enough juice on it, not enough power. And he actually sailed it and floated it over Debo Samuel's head. That was not a good look. Uh, the other one, the near interception by Charverius Ward, it was a choice route. Brian and Ayuk can go inside or outside, be, depending on defensive leverage and coverage, and he decided to go outside. Uh, Trey Lance believed he was going to go inside and threw it right to Charverius Ward. They had a little bit of a conversation about it. We don't know for sure who was wrong, Ayuk or uh, Trey Lance, but... I mean, it's one of those situations that looks like it's a bad play. And then the Fred Warner interception, which was, you know, not a good situation. He had somebody that would have sacked him. He went ahead and threw the ball. It was a terrible pass, a terrible decision. You could tell right away he wasn't happy with it. But those are great because those are learning situations. You want those as a coach. You want those learning situations on film. Hey, Trey, what were you thinking? Hey, Trey, you have to trust your protection. Hey, Brandon, uh, what were you looking at here? Oh, see see right here, Trey? The leverage was in Brandon's favor to go outside. You got to get the ball there. So uh, I don't know for sure if it was Ayuk or for Trey Lance in that situation, um, but definitely something they need to get on the same page about. And this now it leaves them the opportunity to do so. Coaches don't mind mistakes as long as you work towards correcting those mistakes. Mistakes aren't a bad thing at practice. That's one of the misconceptions. People think you need to have perfect practices, and that's not the case at all. You want to make your mistakes in practice so you can 
get better at them. And now when you get to the game, you don't make those mistakes again. That's what it's about. Uh, and that's why it's about stacking good reps. So Trey had a really good day yesterday. Today, some of those struggles came into effect. And now he's got to work on correcting those so he can go out on Tuesday and have a really good football practice. Ordinary Faithful Forever says, Croft still playing well? Who's your tight end to make the roster? Kittle, Warner, and who? Yeah, I have Croft. I think Croft has been the... You know, the second best tight end at training camp behind George Kittle. Charlie Warner, of course, hasn't gotten involved in training camp at all. Still dealing with the core muscle injury. Don't know when he's coming back. So right now, if Warner was to stay on the pup list, I would have, uh, I would go with Kittle. I would go with Croft and Dwelly. I think those would be the three guys right now. Dwelly has definitely improved a little bit in the run blocking area and the blocking overall. Uh, so he's good enough to make this team. I think Fumagalli and Hudson have had moments but haven't stood out compa compared to Ross Dwelly. So I think that would be the three. But if Warner's back, then it will be Warner and Croft that are the three tight ends. It just makes the most sense. James Hall says, everyone seems very impressed with Burford. I forget how to spell his name. Uh, yeah, just change one of the first F to an R, and I believe you you got it right, James. Uh, he's He's good. He's impressive. And the thing is, the advancement that he's made from the first Wednesday of practice all the way until I've seen him now is drastic. The guy just looks better. He looks more confident. He looks comfortable in what he's supposed to do and what his role is. Uh, you Early on, it looked like he was kind of like, you know, walking on shells a little bit, trying to figure out where he was supposed to be. Now he knows his place. He feels confident where he's at. And he's going out there and exuding that confidence. And he's being able to play and hold up against one of the better defensive lines in the entire league, including being able to anchor on pass downs. And uh, it's not it's not hard or it's not easy to have enough strength when one of these big defensive linemen get into your chest plate and try to push you back into the quarterback and you're able to hold your ground. That's an impressive trait. And I've seen Spencer Burford be able to do that. So I'm excited about Burford. I don't know for sure if he's going to start, but he's making a hard case to be able to start at right guard. I think it's going to come down to can Daniel Brunskill uh, end up getting back to guard and beating him out? Because I did think Jalen Moore was going to be a part of the conversation, but Jalen Moore is just not a part of that conversation. David Villa says, Spencer Burford going to get starting role in, in, with you, James. Uh, he might, you know what I mean? And that's the thing. Spencer Burford's a good player. He really is. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a good player. Uh, and David Campbell says Denard was a first rounder. Yeah, Denard has a lot of characteristics and traits that you like from a cornerback. And, you know, I, I really went in with an open mind watching all these players and just watching him go through his reps, his everyday drills, the way that he handled getting into his drops, uh, the way he's, he's handled being that cornerback, that nickel corner has been with grace, uh, with confidence and with a, a vigor to get better. And that's what I really like about him. I mean, he's just out there attacking it. So I think that Denard is going to be the nickel corner. I know a lot of people keep pushing for one of these young guys, um, but Denard, since he's moved from the outside to the inside, is definitely handling things better. We'll see what happens, how much run they give him in training camp. Hopefully this injury to his hand doesn't affect his development, and he's able to continue to go out there because I think it would be really formidable defense if we're rolling out there, you know, in the first game against Chicago, which our various Ward, Emmanuel Mosley, Darquez Denard at the nickel corner spot with Jimmy Ward and Talano Hufanga with Tarverius Moore mixing in at the safety spot. I think it would feel really good about that secondary. And that means not only can this defensive line quicken up, you know, the process, thought process of a quarterback, but now you have a back end with corners and safeties that are all veterans who are comfortable playing in the system who can go out and make plays. And I think that's something that's really nice for the 49ers. And I'm going to take this chance right now to uh, say to anyone that's, you know, if you haven't subscribed to the channel already, I know most of you have. If you haven't, if you'll do me a favor and subscribe to the channel. I really appreciate it. We're on a push to get to 3K uh, subs, and we're almost there. We're 49 subscribers away. You could be a reason that we get to 3K. So thank you so much for that. And if you if you already subscribed, take an opportunity to like the video that really goes to help the algorithm kick it out to more 49er fans so they can come join our conversation as well. So thank you everyone that has joined in and jumped in because uh, so far we've been having a lot of fun with this conversation. And I'm, I'm, I've just really been kind of impressed with the development of a lot of the, the players along the way because being out there every day, that's one of the good things that's been. I've been able to be out there at every single day of training camp practice that I was allowed to be at. And what I've seen is continual development 
from pretty much every single player that the 49ers have put out there. And that's that's impressive. That's showing how this coaching staff is getting after it and also how these players are attacking every single day at practice. So I've really enjoyed that process because last year, the first time I saw Banks, he was struggling with Maurice Hurst. Maurice Hurst was making him look bad. The next time I saw him, it didn't get any better, you know, and I didn't get to see that development where this year I saw Spencer Burford struggle the first day. And then I saw Spencer Burford today do a great job and continue his development. And that's what's so nice about, about watching these guys develop. This coaching staff is doing such a good job of getting these guys ready for the season. They have a very impressive roster. They really do. Top to bottom, 90 guys. These guys have a really good team. Uh, they've been bringing in other players. They rotate players they don't believe had an opportunity to make their team, and they're bringing in other guys to give it a whirl and give it a chance. I like what they're doing with this roster overall. I'm excited about it, and I'm excited about the development. I mean, that's the thing. Trey Lance is getting better with every single rep. This coaching staff is working with him. Brian Greasy's getting after him. You know, I mean, it's it's one of those things where Clay Kubiak is working with them hard. Nobody works harder than Daryl Tapp and Chris Kacarek with the defensive line. Uh, but these co these coaches are consistently working with them and pushing. Uh, props to Kyle Shannon for going out there and putting together a coaching staff because it could have been really difficult, especially losing Sala last year, losing McDaniel this year, losing so many assistants that went with them. It could have been difficult. You know, the pool has been narrowing. But he's made improvements. I mean, he brought in Anthony Lynn to take over Bobby Turner. I mean, that's I mean, Bobby Turner's still the greatest, but but uh, Anthony Lynn's a nice fit. I mean, that's really nice. Uh, and then you know, Chris Forrester, a former offensive coordinator who helped last year with Mike McDaniel, takes over the run game. He just consistently brings in guys that are going to be able to help his coaching staff and help continuing to develop players. And that's the name of the game, draft and develop, draft and develop. And that's who the 49ers are paying right now is guys that they've drafted and developed minus Trent Williams. They're, you know, they draft these guys, they develop them, and then they sign them to contracts and they help the team for years to come. 49 Focus says, how good is Trey's day, Trey's day relate to whether Bose is at practice? Um, it, it's not completely tied to that, but it definitely does help when Bosa's not out there rushing because Bosa is a freak who causes problems for every single offensive lineman. Uh, I know Trent Williams does a pretty good job about with him, but pretty much everyone else struggles with Bosa. Bosa makes it easy for the defense. That's just the way it is, Gary. So uh, does Trey play better when Bosa's not out there? Yes. The good news is uh, the 49ers play a Bosa this year. Uh, Joey, but he's not Nick. So that's the that's the good news. Uh, Jag with a $2 super chat says, how much will the first team play preseason games? I don't think it's going to be very much at all. I really don't. I mean, I think you might get a total, a quarter, maybe total. Uh, I think they're going to use the the Minnesota joint practices to be the bulk of when their, you know, their first string guys get all their reps. I think you might see them here and there, but I really don't. Maybe a series uh, here or there. I wouldn't be surprised if they don't play at all against Green Bay. We'll see. I just really don't think that they're going to play these guys a lot. The way Kyle Shandan talked about the amount of you know pra uh, amount of games within that short twelve to thirteen day span, it doesn't sound like Kyle Shandan really cares about these preseason games compared to him caring about the joint practices and also his own practices where he feels like he can get so much better in those situations. So I think it's going to be a lot of the young guys and a lot of the guys that are trying to prove they deserve to be in the NFL and they can go out there and put good film together. So that way they can go either impress the 49ers enough to make the team, make the practice squad or to impress another team, you know, to pick them up as a part of their 53 or practice squad. So I think that's going to be the name of the game, but the four years have a lot of uh, exciting young players because they had close to 14 rookies. I know of course, uh, Taysier Mack is gone, but they've had a couple of guys that, you know, they've, or a few guys that they had come in that you guys are going to be able to see that are going to be playing in the preseason that it could be really exciting. So um, I think it's still going to be fun to watch. It's just going to be different because I don't think we're going to get to see the starters even to the level we saw last year. I think it's going to be even less, uh, but that's a good question, Jag, because that's something that's rapidly approaching. I mean, preseason is just around the corner next Friday. I mean, Friday, we're going to have preseason football and the 49ers are going to be strapping it up against the Green Bay Packers. Uh, last year in the first preseason game, 
There was absolutely no starter from the opposing team. I wouldn't be surprised if Green Bay doesn't do the exact same thing this time, and the 49ers might go ahead and match them with that and not do anything as well. Um, so I think that, you know, practice went really well today. I was excited about it. The defense uh, struck back after yesterday's offensive showing where the offense just really was clicking on all cylinders, and the defense went back to creating turnovers. That's what we want from this defense. And, you know, I tweeted early in the day that that's what the emphasis for the defense was today. They were working on the tip drill. They were working about causing fumbles. And then they went out and handled those things uh, during practice because they came up with interceptions and they made some plays. And uh, it's just, you know, they're, they're, they're a really good defense, guys. They fly around. They make things happen. It's exciting. So we're going to see a very exciting brand of football from the 49ers this season. You're going to see really good defense, exciting defense. You're going to see a special teams that goes out and attacks. I've been watching the special teams practices every single day, and they're getting after working on great techniques. Coach Brian Snyder is doing a very good job. So it's it's an exciting time. It really is. Um, so uh, day 10 was fantastic. It was Dwight Clark Day, of course, being 8-7, you know, August 7th. Uh, it's always nice to go ahead and remember Dwight Clark and the catch and everything that he did for the San Francisco 49ers. And he was one of the great ones. And remembering the past is a part of it. 49ers do such a good job with that. So, yeah, day 10 was exciting. I'm looking forward to what happens in day 11, which will be on Tuesday. That's going to be a great episode. Now, before I you know go ahead and check out and all that, I want everyone to know that if you're you know, want to get more 49ers content at 5 o'clock, I'm going to be over on Jay in the Bay's uh, YouTube channel. You can go check it out, Jay in the Bay. Uh, if you type in Jay in the Bay 49ers, it usually pops up. And we're going to be having a conversation all about the offseason and about training camp and some of the other things, including some of the signings. So if you're interested in getting more 49ers content, go hop over there. Check out Jay in the Bay's channel. I'll be on there. And you know, if you think it deserves it, go ahead and give them a, a like and subscribe when you get there after uh, you know, and let's have a good conversation. We just continue this thing going. Um, but I'm really, really thankful for everyone that came through today. It was a great chat. Day 10 in the books, two more open practices to go. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it. So thanks, everyone, for coming through and enjoying a episode with me. I really had a lot of fun talking to all you. Great questions, great comments once again. And I'm looking forward to getting into even more on Tuesday because I'm going to go out to training camp. And then we're going to do another one of these live streams. So make sure you guys are looking for that. It'll be probably 3.30 on Tuesday. We can have more fun. So let's see what happens along the way. But until then, stay safe. And remember the right way is always the 49ers way.